Thank you, Bradley. Good to see all your smiling, beautiful faces, as always. I feel God's presence here, don't you? It has been a beautiful morning so far. The sun is shining. It's kind of cold outside, but that's okay. The sun's out. We're here at church praising God. Amen. Today, I want to talk to you um, about encounter. Encounter. And and, uh, why we really should as the church body, why encounter is so important to us. Uh, Chris, you want to go ahead and go to the scripture. We're just going to read the scripture first off. We're going to be in Genesis, the 28th chapter. Uh, they say people from my generation never read the Old Testament anymore. Well, here you go. Uh, we're going to be out of this story where Jacob, Jacob's one of my favorite characters in the Bible. You know, if you recall from Sunday school, Jacob wrestled with God. Jacob had this ongoing relationship with God. Um, he was kind of the, you know, Whenever you're running a relay race in track, you pass the baton on to the next person. Uh, Jacob is kind of like that guy from uh, Abraham. Abraham's covenant is passed on to Jacob, and we're going we're gonna to read that here in this passage here, but Jacob's a really interesting character. Genesis 28, 10 through 22. I don't see, hear any ruffling of pages, so I think we're just going to read off the screen. Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching heaven. And the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There's a lady who's sure all that glitters is gold, and she's buying this stairway to heaven. <laughs> just kidding. Okay. <laughs> Any of you Led Zeppelin fans out there? Everybody here is just trying to act really holy, but I don't know. You, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> there above it stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham, and the God of Isaac. I will give you, your descendants, the land on which you are lying. Next. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. All the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you, and I will watch over you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place. We could say that about this morning, right? Surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? It is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Early the next morning, Jacob took the stone he had placed under his head. Time out. How uncomfortable would that be to sleep with the stone underneath your head? I just thought about that. I've read this passage probably 10 times this week. I never noticed that. He took the stone uh, he had placed underneath his head and set it up as a pillar, and he poured oil on top of it. He called that place Bethel. So Bethel's not a church in the United States. This is the original Bethel, my friends. This is, this is what it's all about here. Bethel, though the, uh, though the city used to be called Luz, then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey I am taking and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I <clears throat> return safely to my father's household, then the Lord will be my God and this stone that I have set up as a pillar will be God's house and of all that. Let's pray, and then I want to talk about it. Father, we just come to you humbly. Humbly, God, we empty ourselves. 
God, I empty myself right now. God, I ask that the words I speak would be your words. God, we pray that the, that you're, the truth of your word, God, that, that we could dig deep truths out of this, God. Apply it to our lives and become more like Jesus, God. We don't want to walk out of this building the same as when we came in, but God, we want your presence, your spirit to change us, to change our minds, to change our lives, God. We need you. We need a touch from you, God. We need to hear from you today. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Amen. Encounter. I told you that's what I want to talk about this morning is encounter. That, that word encounter there, uh, meaning, meaning to come into contact with, to come into contact with. As Christians, encounter is essential to living the Christian life. Encounter with who? Encounter with God is essential to living the Christian life. It's very hard to be a true disciple without an encounter with the living God. Many people will come to church and sit in the pew, sit in the chairs their whole life without have, having a spiritual encounter with the living God. If you've been in church for any amount of time, and I know for certain in this church, then you've probably had an encounter with God, a moment where you said, I just came in contact with something other than myself, something higher than myself. If that's you this morning, can I hear an amen that, that you have, you've come in contact and encounter with, with this God that we know that's higher than ourselves. That's essential, my friends, to living the Christian life. We cannot do it without that. Consider the apostles who, who, before they met Jesus, were just these average Joes, right? But when they come in contact with the Word who became flesh, their lives were completely changed. That encounter with God. Consider the Apostle Paul who was on his way to go murder Christians. He was stopped dead in his tracks by Jesus, having this, this, this encounter with, with, with Jesus right there on the, the, the road uh, to Damascus. And he says, Paul, or Saul, Saul, why, why do you persecute me? Why do you persecute my church? And that changed his life forever. That encounter changes his, his life. Encounter will change your life. If you encounter God and you allow him to come into your life, it will change you forever. Consider your own life. Consider your own circumstances. Have you encountered God yet? Have you had that experience yet? If you haven't, well, there's good news for you because God says in his word that when we turn towards him, he's right there for us, right? That, that turn to me and I will turn on to you, he says. God is a God that's always willing to have relationship with us, always desiring to know us deeper and deeper, more and more. But it's when we turn towards him, he's always there for us. His spirit is always chasing after us. God is the father in the story of the prodigal son who's always looking for us, always desiring that relationship with us. So as Christians, we should desire this encounter with God. It, it, that should be one of your desires as a, as a believer to grow more in your faith is to encounter God in a spiritual way. You know, in, in, in the 21st century post-enlightenment era where everything can be solved in a scientific formula or in a mathematic equation, right? Or, or we look at things and we're like, man, well, if I can't see it, then I don't believe it. These ideas of spiritual concepts and, and knowing God in a spiritual way it's something that is foreign to us, right? It's something that in our culture, our day and age, people, people oh, that's hogwash. That's, that's, that's a bunch of baloney, right? But if you're sitting here this morning, I just heard a bunch of amens. You know that's not the truth, right? That God cannot be explained in a science experiment or in a mathematic formula, but God is something that is experienced, right? I, I can't teach you about God. You can only experience him. God is, not, God is not something that is to be taught. God is something to be experienced. If any of you have ever known about the love of God, I can come up here and Bradley can come up here and we can, we can talk all day long about the love of God and we can teach you about the love of God, the great depths that he has gone to to show his love for you, how he created you, he molded you, he has a plan for your life. But until you experience it for yourself, you will never know it. 
You will never know it. God, God is not a God that can be contained in any kind of lesson or any kind of teaching, but he's only to be experienced, my friends. That's why we believe in the Holy Spirit. That's why this church, we are spiritual because we believe in spiritual encounters and that's essential to the Christian life. Our friend Jacob here has an encounter with God, doesn't he? He has a, he has a dream, right? right? The prophet Amos said that your old men will dream dreams, right? Jacob must have been old here. I, this, was, this wasn't during the New Covenant yet, but, but he was, he's an old man, right? And he has this dream. He has this encounter of God with a stairway to heaven, right? And in this dream, uh, we see this, the original stairway to heaven. We see that, that he has this, this vision of angels walking up and down this stairway, that the throne room of God has opened up and, and they're descending and uh, ascending. And, and we see this kind of beautiful picture of, of heaven and earth meeting one another. And then he sees God at the top of the stairs, right? He sees God at the top. And, and Chris, you want to go back uh, real fast to that, that beginning scripture, right? Um, he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. And I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying next. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth and you will spread out to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. All the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. Time out. We've heard this before, haven't we? A few weeks ago, I preached about Father Abraham, right? This is a reiteration of the promise to Father Abraham, right? I told you earlier, it's like the baton handing forward. Father Abraham was promised that through you and your descendants and all the nations of the earth will be blessed. There's a reiteration of that promise here to Jacob. Jacob in his dream is looking up at God at the top of the staircase and God's saying all these great things, right? Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth. They're gonna be the east, the north, the south, the west. Everybody's going to be blessed through you and your offspring. He says, I am with you and I will watch over you wherever you go and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Next. No, okay, that's it. So that's the, that's the end of God's dialogue in there, right? That's the end of what God says. And then Jacob wakes up. But Jacob has this encounter with God, this radical vision, this radical experience with God. And I want to give you three words today that pertain to encounter. I've made it even easier for you and your brain to remember. They're all our words, okay? So if you're a note taker, these would be easy to write down. The first one this morning, first our word this morning as pertaining to, to encounter, and specifically Jake's, Jacob's encounter, is realization, is a realization, you see here, my friends, there's a lot of imagery in this encounter with, with Jacob and God. There's a stairway to heaven. There's a, there's a connection from heaven to earth. Well, we know living post-cross, post-Calvary, post-resurrection, that there's only one man. There's only one person who is the stairway to heaven. There's only one man that connects heaven and earth, and that is Jesus Christ, the man who lived in Nazareth, but also God in the flesh, the one who was somehow at one point 100% human, but also on another hand 100% divine. How this mystery works, I don't know, but Jacob, thousands of years beforehand, is getting a foreshadow of what is to come, that he is dreaming of this stairway to heaven, but later on there will be a greater stairway to heaven that coming, that will once and for all connect heaven and earth. Can I get an amen, somebody? This, this, is, this, is, this is good stuff right here. If you're into like drama and literature and stuff, this is a crazy, crazy foreshadow. Jacob is seeing here thousands of years beforehand the one person, the one human that is the connector between heaven and earth. This is what he sees in his dream. And so he doesn't know it at the time. He doesn't know that this is, a, this is Jesus at the time. 
but he does know about the promise. The second part of his dream is about the promise. And who is the one that fulfills the promise of Abraham, the one who fulfills the promise that is given to Jacob here? It's Jesus. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is the one who fulfills the Abrahamic promise. Jesus is the one who is the fulfillment of everything that is said to Jacob. God tells Jacob that through you, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Well, how does that come to fruition? It's through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The gospel message that he brings, the kingdom of God that he enacts, comes to earth, and now it has spread to every single part of the earth. God tells him that your descendants will be like dust on the north, the south, the east, and the west. Well, that has happened, my friends. We've got friends in China that are serving the Lord this morning. We've got friends in, in Australia that are serving the Lord this morning. Right? We've got friends all the way over in Great Britain that are serving the Lord. We've got friends right here in St. Joseph that are serving the Lord, right? The gospel message has spread all throughout the earth because of one man and one man only, the one name under heaven that by all men shall be saved, and that's Jesus. That's Jesus. We're a Jesus church around here, my friends. If you, if you haven't figured that out yet, it's, it's time to get on the train, right? We're a Jesus church around here, and Jesus is the fulfillment of everything that Jacob is dreaming here. He doesn't know it yet, but now we know it. We know it. We can see, oh man, I realize now what was going on there. That's the first R word of encounter is realization. When you have an encounter with God, you come to the realization that Jesus is the only one who saves. Jesus is the only one who heals. Jesus is the only one who redeems. Jesus is the only one who can save. Jesus is Messiah, healer, savior, redeemer, friend. Amen. Amen. That's everything to us. That's everything to us. And when you have an encounter with God, looking back on your own life, when you remember your own first encounter with God, wasn't that your realization? I'm a sinner, man, and I need Jesus. I need Jesus. That's the first R of encounter is realization, realizing your need for Jesus, realizing who he is and how he can change your life. Amen. The second R word of encounter is revival. Revival. Jacob begins to see his world around him in a different way after he wakes up from this dream. Jacob awoke from his sleep. He thought, surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, how awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God, the gate of heaven. That's a, that's a really descriptive phrase. That's a really powerful phrase. And Jacob did not arrive at this conclusion on his own, right? right? I, I think of uh, whenever Peter's talking to Jesus and Jesus asks him, who do men say that I am? And, and Peter says, you are Christ, the son of the living God. And he says, flesh and blood does not reveal this to you, but only by the spirit of God. This is Jacob by the spirit of God in the Old Testament coming to the conclusion, surely the Lord is in this place. Surely God is here. Surely this is the house of God, the gate of heaven. And what I want to tell you, my friends, is this, is that the second R word is revival because when God encounters you, when you have an encounter with God, you begin to open your eyes and revival begins to start in your heart. Revival begins to burst forth. You begin to see this world for what it really is, that this world is not a crummy dead place, but it's a place filled with God's beauty. Yes, sin has left its stain on this world, but God so reigns supreme in the beauty that he has put in this place. We see God all around, that God is not pertained to the four walls of the church, but everywhere you go, God is around. God is just as much in the wilderness, in the trees, as he is in the church service. Service, right? That God is everywhere. And that's what Jacob is saying here. He wakes up from his sleep and he says, man, surely the Lord is in this place. Surely God is all around. And if you will remember your own encounter, you will remember that when you walked outside after that church service, everything looked a lot brighter, didn't it? 
You saw a lot more love in people's faces, right? You saw the love of God all around you. You saw people for, for who they really were, the image bearers of God. We see things in a different light. Revival, encounter with God will open your eyes to see the world rightly. Will open your eyes so that you will see exactly things how God sees them. Amen? We've got we've to open our eyes, friends, but it's only through an encounter my, uh, with God. God's everywhere. Jacob is opened up to the deep truth that God is in his midst. There's a, a theological word called omnipresent. It simply means everywhere at once. Everywhere at once. And what happens in Christian thought is that we, for some reason, we, we place God in one place. We, 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 we say God is king, and he is. But not a king like our kings or presidents. They, they sit in one room at one time, correct? But God is everywhere all at one time. When we say God is king, we don't mean that he is actually sitting on a throne somewhere because God is everywhere. God is everywhere at all times, all places, all spaces. God is omnipresent. God is in every place, every time. And so wherever you are, you can have an encounter with God, just like Jacob. And then you will open your eyes and you will see and you'll say, surely the Lord is in this place. Surely the Lord is in my workplace. Surely the Lord is in my home. Surely the Lord is in every single place that I'm walking about, right? This is what we are, are to come to the conclusion of as Christians, is that God is everywhere and I'm to get on board with what he's doing. God is everywhere. God is everywhere. And so when we encounter him, our whole life is opened up and revival begins in our soul. Revival begins in our soul. When I read Jacob's word there, those are words of revival. His heart has just been blown up, blown up. The last word here is reservation. Early the next morning, Jacob took the stone he had placed under his head and set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. He called that place Bethel, though the city used to be called Luz. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and will watch over me on the journey I am taking and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear uh, so that I may return safely to my father's household, then the Lord will be my God and the store that I have set up as a pillar will be God's house and all of, of, of all that. How many of you know, like, when maybe you're going to go take your uh, husband or wife out on a, a fancy date, right? Like a real, really high-class restaurant. Probably nothing you'll find in St. Joe. Uh, <laughs> you go and you call ahead of time, right? You call ahead of time and you make reservations. Say, you call and say, hi, my name is, so, Johnny Appleseed, can I make reservations for two, right? And you make those reservations. And when you go there... You got, like, that's why I say it's not in St. Joe. Real nice restaurant. Probably got, like, some, like, like really, really expensive food. You're not going to get very much. Probably only going to get, like, this much, but it's going to be, like, $30. And when you walk up there, there's probably roses, maybe uh, a couple, like, like maybe, like, a, a, a band in the background, like, playing, like, some, like, nice romantic music or whatever, right? And, and, and when you get to the table, there's probably name tags, right? Name tags with Mr. and Mrs. So-and-so, right? Those are your reservations, right? Those are the seats. Those seats have been claimed for you, right? Those seats have been claimed for you. Well, what we see here in the life of Jacob, I, I'm going to bring this back around, I promise you. When we see in the life of Jacob is that when Jacob has this encounter with God, 
he goes right into the place of where he's at and he claims it for God. He says, this is the place that is going to be of God. This is the house of God, the gate of heaven. And so when I get up, I'm going to take this stone that I'm using as a pillow. And I'm going to use it to develop a shrine right here in this place. I'm going to call it Bethel, which translates to house of God in English. We see that, that, that Jacob takes this, he puts it down, he says, this is the house of God right here. This is the house of God right here. He pours oil on it. He, he makes it real sacred. He, he has a, a kind of a ceremony around it, right? And so when people will walk by for generations, the Israelites for generations would know that this is the place where Jacob met with God. This is the place where Jacob encountered God. What I want to tell you guys is this, is that the third R word is reservation for a reason. When you have an encounter with God, you will then go out into the places and the spaces that you are from and you will take the experience, the encounter with God that you have had and you will say, now this place is for God. This place is for God. My household is for God. My workplace is for God. My school is for God. Can I get an amen around here? Church is not about keeping it in the four walls, my friends. It's about taking it out there. I had this thought process this morning when I was at the gathering station filling up before I, I was going to go pick up buzzard I said I said look at all these people around this gas station and none of them are going to be in church this morning you know probably I mean I don't know what the numbers are but I would if I had to guess I would say maybe oh man I, I'm kind of a negative Nancy so maybe 15% of St. Joe's in church this morning maybe I mean it's sad but it's true right and we say well man they need to they need to get their tails into church right they need to get in here why don't we take it out there? Why don't we take it out there? Why don't we take the Holy Spirit that's been implanted inside of us? Why don't we take the encounters that have been implanted inside us, the, the Spirit of God that's living in us? We say that's living in us, right? Why don't we take, take that and go out, the four wall, go out of the four walls into our communities, into our spaces, our places? And so when we go, everywhere around us, we're building shrines. Everywhere around us, we're building altars. You guys know I'm speaking metaphorically, right? I'm not good enough of a, of a woodworker or a, I don't carry around giant rocks like Jacob. But I can pray. I'm at work my workplace. I can pray. I can pray against the forces of evil. I can, pray, I can pray in the will of God and I can say, God, in my workplace, will you bring about your kingdom? God, in my, in my, uh, in my school, will you bring about my kingdom? God, in my family, will you bring about my kingdom? And so and so and so and so. God, Will you bring this about? And in doing so, you are metaphorically, you are spiritually bringing about the kingdom of God in your life through these, these spiritual little shrines you're bringing about. You're saying, this is for God. I'm claiming this. I'm drawing a line in the sand and no longer will the kingdom of darkness and the forces of evil live in this place, but God is going to reign in this place. If we had more of that in America, things, things, a lot of things would get better. I, you know, I'm not going to get into politics right now, but a large part of, of, of issues in America is the degradation of the family. The degradation of the family. Do you guys know that the family is the first institution that God created? Not the church, the family. But it's also the first institution that's attacked. Adam and Eve come together before, but when it was just Adam, there's no enemy, no serpent, no nothing, right? When Adam and Eve come together, there he is. There he is to split them apart. That's what the enemy tries to do is to, to tear apart families, to tear apart unions, to tear apart all kinds of things. And it, we've seen the results of it here in America. With the degradation of the family and the household, we see that, that uh, young men, young ladies are growing up without fathers, without mothers, without, without whole households. And we see the results of it, don't we? 
What God wants to do is for us to take back those things, to take back what he has instituted and to bring it about for his will and for his glory. If we do that, if we say no longer are the forces of evil going to reign in this place, but God is going to reign in this place and we're making reservations. We're calling ahead. We're calling heaven and saying, I've got a place for two right here. Can somebody do that? Can Can we do that in our lives, right? If we begin to do that, then great things will happen. Great things will happen. I believe this is what Jesus said when he said greater things are in store for you. Right? Right? Great, you will see greater things than these. It's multiplication. It's, it's, it's great transformation happening across the board. Reservation, third R word. First one was, what was it? <laughs> Just kidding. Realization. Realizing Jesus as Messiah, Lord, Savior, Healer, Redeemer. Second one, Revival. Seeing the world exactly how it is. God burning within you and, and bringing you to the realization of him and his glory. And the third one, uh, reservation. Taking back your household, your places, your workspaces for God. Amen. Saying, I'm calling ahead. God is reserved right here. This is the place of God. If we would do that in prayer and fasting and say, God, bring about your kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. That's what Jesus taught us to pray. So we pray every week. But as we really pray that, not in a, not in a vague, uh, just kind of corporate sense, but God, bring about your kingdom in my family as it is on heaven. God, bring about your kingdom in my workplace as it is in heaven. We will begin to see these changes because I believe prayer changes things. And as we pray, the hand of God moves. Amen? Amen. Encountering God will change your life. And we can't live to be... Uh, the most effective disciples that he created us to be without knowing him personally through that encounter.